Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Well, God is good. And all the time. Especially when he gives us an extra hour to sleep. How many of you appreciate the extra hour? Amen. Now, my wife's not here. I'm looking over there. My wife's not here because she refuses to believe she actually got an extra hour because she constantly reminds me that my five-year-old child does not know how to read time, and he gets up the same time every time, no matter what we do, and he was in our room instead of 6.30 at 5.30 doing his thing, and so... uh, She told me she would be screaming at me a little bit if I brought it up, and I knew she wasn't here, so I took full liberty of the situation. I tell you, it's one of those mornings where, you know, I'm happy to see everybody. I love, uh, what is it, fall back, because I know everybody will be in church, yeah. Even people may be here early, right? It's spring forward that you get worried about, right? Because when you spring forward, maybe people don't show up to church at all because they're an hour behind. And so it reminded me of not fall festival, but of this. Do you know what this is? This is, well, so I'm hearing different things. From, from what I can tell from most of Americans, from most people that I work with and spend time with in the mornings, especially when it's early in the morning, that is what you call a bad morning. That's an empty cup of coffee. That is not what you want to wake up to in the morning. There's nothing in there. That may be a bad morning, or if it's in the middle of the day when you're, you know, you're sort of feeling that noontime slumber, that's called a long day. That is otherwise known as a trip to the coffee shop. And I know that there are many stories here about trips to Starbucks or to Dunkin' Donuts. Because in my opinion, from the people that I spend time with, and um, young and old, they really enjoy filling up those cups of coffee with one of these. How many among us are Starbucks fans? Amen. We have a few. Yeah, okay. Proud Starbucks fans. How many of us are Dunkin' Donuts fans? Proud Dunkin' Donuts fans. How many of us are other coffee fans? Well, we have some other. Yeah, okay. So I have to, I have to go and, and, and get a poll of, of coffee. Um, and I have a few of those. I have a few of those up here. You know, so this is, this is today's special variety of Starbucks. Um, this, is, this is a cup and it's empty. And this is, this is one of, of Dunkin' Donuts, a special variety. And this one is, is empty as well, um, which does mean I'm not sharing them. You know, I walked in this morning drinking for the first time ever um, a, a Dunkin' Donuts cup. And it was not coffee in there. I had the lid on and everything. And um, I was asked to share it. That's how important these cups of coffee can be to our society today. We live on some of these things. I have people on staff. I have people I work with who can drink three or four cups of these before the morning starts in earnest. It's important to have coffee get you going. Um, for some people, it's really important to fill that cup up with good coffee. I said that. To fill that cup up with good coffee. What happens if you accidentally forget to fill it up with good coffee, or perhaps maybe you had somebody else filling it up, and they actually left the coffee in there from yesterday, and you drank it? What would that look like? You have any idea? 
It may look like what's on the screen right now. That's a gentleman drinking some bad coffee. Well, what happens if you're in a rush and you just try to whip up your own coffee at home with your own special brew that you haven't done many times? You try to put it together. What does that look like when you take a look at it? It may look like that. You see, because in those coffee mugs, we want good coffee. What happens? Now, here's one more, one more question. What happens when we put good coffee in the mug, but then something else gets mixed up in there? What is this in my cup? Is this that pumpkin spice stuff they're trying to sell? I don't want that. Somebody said, ew, in the back. I think they heard me. Or maybe it's cold brew and you tried that for the first time. Or maybe like this lady, you saw a fly in your coffee. That's what I want to talk about this morning. I think it's part of my message. I have like four titles for this message. One of them is bad coffee. And I think about coffee because I may not look very old. I often get the young buck mentality a lot. and People treat me like I'm a youngin. And, and I'm, of, I'm not a millennial. I'm actually 20 years removed from of millennial. I have children that are almost millennials. And uh, they're on a new generation. I'm not sure what we're going to call my children's generation, but I am worried. Nevertheless, back when I was um, starting up at work, it wasn't a big coffee thing. It was a water cooler thing. Do you remember that? Yeah. It's like, what is happening at the water cooler? In the morning, everyone went to the water cooler to get a drink of water. And they had special cups or mugs to do so. And perhaps there were some people in the back drinking coffee. But um, we were at the water cooler. And this, this whole coffee thing has now turned into a, a, like a coffee commute. Right? So it's like in the morning, how much time do we spend to go get our coffee? And so this morning was the first morning ever I participated in the coffee commute because I wanted to get some of these cups for my, my message today, particularly this one. Now, this one is a America Runs on Dunkin' Dunkin' Donuts cup, and it is empty. But I wanted to get one, and so I asked my family, can we get together a few minutes earlier and stop by Dunkin' Donuts to grab a cup? Now, I don't know about you, but I would presume this would not be an exercise that would take very much time. I'm going to go, I'm going to park, I'm going to walk in and ask for a cup and walk out. I, I should be able to get in and out in, I don't know, a few minutes. But all of you who have participated in the coffee commute recognize that getting coffee is not something that is without drama. First we get there, the entire parking lot is full. Everything is closed but the Dunkin' Donuts and the entire parking lot is full. Like what is going on? What are they preaching about in there? So I can barely park. My wife gets out. She gets in, and, and as my kids point out, like, uh-oh, there's mom. She can barely shut the door. When she's in Dunkin' Donuts, the line is literally out the door. I'm like, what, is, what are they selling at Dunkin' Donuts? You know, Lance is saying, I don't just want coffee. I want an egg sandwich and some orange juice. I'm like, oh, great. That's another line. We're going to be here forever. And, then I, and I'm, so now I'm observing, right? So my wife's in there. I didn't want to deal with all that because I don't know what they call it anymore. I know they don't call it coffee, and I wouldn't know how to order it, so I didn't go in. So I stayed out in my, in my truck, and my wife's in there doing something. And I noticed another thing that takes place in the coffee commute. How ornery everybody is before they get into the store. There is people trying to park and pull out. And since no one has got their coffee yet, everyone is flustered. There's a giant parking lot. We're within five square feet, and everybody's trying to get in the same spot. Nobody will back up. Nobody will move. They're coming from both directions, honking their horn. And I'm in the middle like, what is going on here? People need their, and they're like, why would you ask me to park when I haven't had my coffee? I can't do that. So they've installed drive throughs at Dunkin' Donuts now. And I guess Starbucks, I mean, this is mind-blowing. You can drive through and get a cup of coffee? That's because you don't want to have the, to have to focus to park, right? You just want your coffee and keep going. And it's great watching people come out when they're sipping their coffee. It's like they have an instant smile on their face. When I know there's special cards and mugs and all of that, 
I want you to think about coffee. And so today, as I was preparing the word, the Lord really put this upon me, and you'll see how it connects together as we go through the scripture, if you've had your coffee this morning and you stay awake. But if you want to, you can turn in your Bibles to chapter 4 of the book of John. I have a lot of verses this morning. You don't have to turn. I'm going to put them on the screen. But I want to tell you this morning, the Bible has a story about the water cooler. It has a story about the coffee commute, a story about getting your morning fix, if you will. And it's in John chapter 4. And it is the story that is, is very well known. It's been preached many times. I've spoken about this story. I, I, it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, bar none. And as I was preparing these last couple weeks, as I was hearing Chris speak and hearing Amber speak and hearing Brother Pat speak, you know, the Lord has been giving me a lot to say, and I was thinking about this message today. What am I going to say today as I start to kick off what I'm going to be doing into the Christmas season? And I keep coming back to ideas and concepts that are in John chapter 4. So today I'm not going to go through the whole, the whole story. I just want to tell you real quick what it's about, and then we'll get into the story. It's, it's really interesting. It's a story about Jesus doing his ministry thing, and he's doing it across all the cities, and he decides to leave the city and go to another city, a far away off, and he's going to walk. And he effectively is going to walk through a, quote, bad neighborhood. And he chooses not to go around the bad neighborhood, but to go through it. And what I mean by bad neighborhood, I mean everything you mean to think of when I say bad neighborhood. I mean, these is a neighborhood where the two people, the people that Jesus is coming from and the people that live in the neighborhood, don't like each other. It's where racism is at an all-time high. They despise each other literally for their race and their belief. And yet he wanted to go right through it. And when he got there, he was exhausted from all of the walking. So he told all of his peoples to go get him some food, some breakfast. And they left, and they went to get some food. And he sat there at a well waiting. He was thirsty. And a woman comes, a Sumerian woman. A woman who both out of religion and creed, would never talk to a Jew. And then, because she's a woman and he's a man, even makes it more interesting to have a conversation at the well. And so they begin to have a conversation. She begins, a non-Christian, to have a conversation with Jesus over a cup of morning pick-me-up. In this case, water. And so I want to ask you today, when do you stop to allow God to fill your cup? When do you pause enough in your life, in your day, to allow God to fill your cup? There are a lot of things going on in our life today, and there are a lot of things we need to get through the day, coffee being one of them. And yet, do we take the time, do we pencil the time, do we schedule the time to allow Jesus to love on us in our busy day, in everything that's going on? Or do we somehow just try to fit it in with everything else? Because this story is a story about Jesus interrupting the day. You want to hear more? Okay, I have somebody's attention. Thank you. Thank you. All right, let's look at this story. So many things to say. It's in John chapter 4. I want to pick out verse 7 for you. I want to pick out verse 7. 
It says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, please, give me a drink. So picture, the woman's coming. She has her, her, her water jar or water bucket, and she's coming to draw water from the well, and there's a man who is not her race sitting there talking to her whom they're at war with effectively. And oftentimes, by the way, this is a sidebar on the story, oftentimes women would go to the well, single women, to meet single guys, particularly off hours. So this was particularly peculiar that this guy was here. And then he, his line to her is, give me a drink. I can't imagine what was going through her mind. Clearly interrupted. She was trying to be alone. She was going there alone. And she went to get water, and here Jesus is asking for a drink. Now you all know who Jesus is, so we can skip to the end here. Do you pause in your day to allow him to love on you? And now some of us think, well, what do you mean? Do you mean taking time out to read my Bible? Well, that, that's a good way to do it. That's one of the best ways to do it. It's a hard way. A lot of you depend on people like Jeremy sending us the verse of the day. It's almost as if you would not read the Bible unless somebody sent you the verse of the day. And by the way, I'm like that sometimes. It gets busy. And I use that verse today, and I can read that and then get inspired and then go back to my daily readings or what have you. That's one way to allow Jesus to love on you. Some of you maybe want to turn on a song in the morning. Let me tell you this, you know, just another sidebar. I've got so many things going on in my mind. I've got so much to preach about this, this summer, I mean this uh, winter. I know it's winter now. Do you feel the cold? Fall, really, I guess. So many things. Let me tell you something. One of the worst things you can do in the morning, one of the worst things you can do is get up and grab your phone. Don't get up and grab your phone in the morning. Don't see who texted you. Don't see what's going on on Twitter. Don't see what happened on the news. Certainly don't look at your email. None of these things will profit you as much as taking the moment when you first open your eyeballs and your brain begins to return to you and say, thank you, Jesus. He literally woke you up. The rest is on you. Take the time in the morning. It is amazing while you're laying there on your back or your side, just raise your hands up and say, thank you, Jesus. It will change your morning. It will change your day. It will give you the perspective you need to allow him. Because this is interesting. He may say something to you. Like, give me a drink. In that very bed you lay in, he may say, sing me a song. He may say, I want to love on you. You see, he is ready all the time, every time. When you're going to the water cooler, when you're going to Starbucks, when you're going to work, when you're picking up the kids, when you're doing laundry, when you're taking a shower, when you're hands deep in mud, when you've got you know, tools in your hand and you're working, when you're going to the bank, when you're at the grocery store, he is ready all the time. You may be thinking, accomplish task A, and you may not even recognize that right next to you is God himself speaking to you. Are you willing to pause and take a moment and allow Jesus to say, give you a drink? It's interesting. I, I, I got to imagine that this was when she least expected it. Again, she was not expecting a Jew of all people to be there. She was not expecting that. She was not expecting a man to talk to her. She was not expecting 
all of this to happen. She just wanted to get a water and proceed. Now, there's a bunch of verses. And when I say all of this to happen, we can go on in the story and we'll do it another day. But she begins to enter a dialogue with Jesus and talk with Jesus. And they talk about religion. They talk about worship. They talk about her social life. Do you know Jesus cares about your worship? He cares about your religion? And he cares about your social life? Do you believe that? He does? And he talked through all of this when you least expect it. He may actually ask you, now here's what's interesting, because I know we have a bunch of church leaders in here and a bunch of really well-seasoned people of God. We have people who, yeah, they read their Bible, they worship, you know, they're on top of it. They say, I, I, Paul's plenty. Don't miss this story, you. That one there that says, yeah, I, I, I give time to Jesus, I do. Don't miss out on this story, because this is a story of Jesus interrupting you. There are plenty of times for you professional Christians where you, you plan some time for Jesus and you read your Bible and you go, ah, you know, it's wonderful, you know, I think I felt something. Maybe, maybe not, or I'll think about that later. Or you worship, but you do that often, and so, like, that was good. I feel good. I feel charged. You, that same person, do you allow Jesus to interrupt you when it's not your schedule, when it's not your song, when it's not your Bible verse? Are you hearing his voice then? Because that's what he was doing here, interrupting your day. So, you know, one thing I was thinking about, how can I impress this upon you to give you a little conventional wisdom, a little practical wisdom before I go on? I thought of this. Most of you, by the show of hands, drink coffee. I've noticed that. Whether it's Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts, or other, you drink coffee. So I was thinking, maybe we can call it the Dunkin' Devotion, or we can call it the Starbucks Supplication. And these are my previous messages. Anytime you go get coffee... In the morning, in the afternoon, at night, and some of you go a lot, so this may happen a lot. How about you take a second and say, Jesus, what's on your mind? While you're in line, Jesus, what's on your mind? What do you want to say to me? Give it a second for him to fill you up. Give it a second for him to fill your spiritual cup while you're getting your pick-me-up cup filled up. Amen? Amen. By the way, I have nothing against coffee. I just can't drink it because I'm caffeine-free. Can you imagine me on caffeine? <laughs> Been there, done that, right? I know what that looks like. All right, let me fill up. This is what happens when you allow Jesus to fill your cup. This is what happens. Are you ready for this? It's down in verse 28. The woman left her water jar. Say with me, left her water jar. Left her water jar. That means if you got one of these fancy cups, that means you went there to get it filled up, and then you left it there. Some of you got fancy cups. We know Amber does. I've been hiding it for quite some time. Uh, I think we've given it back to her now. And she's got another fancy cup, and she's got water bottles. And, and I've seen some of the Starbucks people, they got really nice cups. And my son, he's big on this. I mean, he's went from the junior cup you get at Target all the way up to a Yeti, right? I mean, so Lance, and he's 12. Now, he doesn't drink coffee. He puts other stuff in there. But I know there's fancy cups. Imagine taking your fancy cup to your filler-up day or filler-up moment, and then you're leaving it there. What would possess you to leave it there? Something far greater must have happened. Something must have picked you up far more than that coffee cup. Something happened. I want to talk about it a little bit. So in this story, when we go into this story and you look through it, you see I gave you verse 4, now verse 28. It wasn't in verse 5 that all of a sudden she realized she was talking to Jesus. All of a sudden, all the revelation just came to her. All of a sudden, she realized she was in the presence of God and to bow before him. No, that did not happen on verse 5. You see, when she took time to listen to Jesus and engage him, 
slowly, slowly, he revealed the truth to her. You want truth? You want God to answer your questions? You want to know what the meaning of today, of this month, this year, the meaning of your life is? Don't expect it in one verse. Have a conversation with Jesus, and he will slowly reveal it to you. And for those of you going through some trial and tribulations, and we have some of those. Chris and Jesse are one of them. There's been a lot going on in their life. Chris was in the hospital last night. He's here today. You talk about a servant of God, right? They told him to go home and rest, and he found no better place but to rest in the pew with all of you because he wants to minister and pour into you guys. But nonetheless, he's going through an attack today. And this, this Bible verse and this story reminds me, when I see things going on around the world, just all around the world, whether it's, I don't want to name all the tragedies because I'll leave one out, but there are so many to think of. I tell you, I remind you today what the Bible says, what Satan means for evil, God intends for his what Satan means for evil, God intends for his good. That means regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of what's taking place, regardless of the fog, the smoke, the tragedy, the suffering, God can still use it for his, because he is good. When we make bad decisions, yes, there's sin, and yes, there's a price to pay for that, but God can turn that into good, should you allow him to do so. Just like this, in the midst of this racial war, in the midst of these two factions going at it, in the midst of these two people who hate each other, God was using what Satan was setting up as evil, what Satan was setting up as division, what Satan was setting up as separation and isolation. Jesus used it for good to change her life and all the Sumerians for there evermore. She literally left her coffee mug there. She left her water bottle there and didn't just leave it and forgot. She dropped it and ran, it says. She ran back to the village, ran back to tell everyone. And I wrote dot, dot, dot there on purpose because I wonder if you haven't read this story, what do you think she said? Did she go back and say, guys, come on, come with me. We got a white Jew in our land. Let's go beat him up. Because that's pretty much what the rest of them would say all the time. But that's not what she said. She left her coffee cup there because, you see, God filled up something else inside of her. He filled up what was going on inside of her that she no longer needed the coffee cup, at least in that moment, in that, that water jug she didn't need. Her thirst was filled. She had something else to say. She ran to go tell everybody in Samaria that Jesus was here. I find this very unlikely. I find it that in the midst of your day, I find that it would be very unlikely for you to have your day planned out, particularly your coffee commute, and you would just stop, leave your coffee cup, and run to go tell somebody about Jesus. But church, that's what I'm trying to tell you today. He is desperately trying to fill you up with something to get you excited about so that you can tell someone. Amen? Okay. So much more to talk about, but I think I got you to the place where you can understand where I'm going. So many sermons to preach out of the Sumerian woman at the well, but I'm going to end there with she ran back to the village and left her bucket. She left her bucket. Her bucket, by the way, was, guess what? It was empty. She went there to fill it up, and she left, and it was empty. That's what I wanted to show you about these cups. That's why I wanted one. I mean, they're all here, but this one specifically, it's empty. It's nothing in it. 
looks like my lid has spilled something, but there's, there's nothing in it otherwise. Question for you with an empty cup. How do you get rid of the emptiness? How do you get rid of the emptiness? Think about it, think about it. If the kids were here, they would tell you this is an easy riddle, Dad. We do riddles at our house. This is an easy riddle. But I'm going to help you with it because I think there is some subtle nuance here that you need to understand. You do not get rid of the emptiness by focusing on the emptiness. I can focus on this emptiness so much, it's still going to be empty. I can study this emptiness, it's still empty. I can think about the emptiness, it's still empty. I can concentrate really hard on removing it. Remove it. Just remove it. I just, I just want to pull it out. But I can't. To remove the emptiness, to get rid of the emptiness, there's only one answer, and it's a very simple yet profound answer. How do I get rid of the emptiness? Well, I'm not in Sunday school, but if I was, this would be an object lesson. Are you watching here? I'm going to get rid of the emptiness. Now, what am I doing? Yeah, tell everybody who's listening online, he's filling it up. That's right. I'm filling up the emptiness. This is a profound message in the scriptures that you need to look for, but it's everywhere. You see, when you think about your problem, you can't get rid of your problem by focusing on it, by concentrating on it. It, generally speaking, will only give you more of that. You can't get rid of an addiction or an anger by focusing on it and focusing on it and focusing on it and focusing on it. That's why we have our Tuesday night sessions here, to help people understand. You have to take an empty cup and you have to fill it up. Think about it this way. Did the Lord, when he thought about saving the world and he saw that there is evil in it, that there was sin, was the answer that he came up with in our Bible to remove the sin. No, he didn't remove evil from the world. He did not remove sin from the world. That wasn't the answer, church. The answer was to pour into the world. His answer was to fill it up. Church, I want to read this. This is from Pastor Jonathan Kahn. I need you to hear this. And so I wanted to take it almost as a quote. God did not take away our problems or remove them from our world. He did something far better. He gave us the answer. He literally poured the answer into the world. You see, salvation is not the absence of sin. Rather, it's the presence of God. Salvation is not removing the world's darkness. It's shining God's light into the darkness. And by the light, the darkness is driven away. Salvation is literally the incarnation of God. It is his presence. He poured his presence, church. He poured his son, church. He poured his blood, church. He poured his Holy Spirit. Are you figuring it out yet, church? You don't overcome the darkness by focusing on darkness. You overcome the darkness by focusing 
on the light. You don't overcome sin by dwelling on sin. You overcome sin by dwelling not on the sin, but on God. You overcome emptiness by dwelling on his presence. You solve your problem not by dwelling on your problem, but by dwelling on the answer, by being filled up with the answer. You overcome sorrow by the presence of joy. You overcome hate by the presence of love. You overcome evil by the presence of good. He's a good, good father. This secret will change your life. Overcome the absence by the presence of the opposite. I want to read you some scriptures to make a finer point. Empty cup, fill it up. By what? By the opposite. Bless those who persecute you. What? I got to preach a sermon series about the crazy things that Jesus said. I got to. Bless those who persecute you? What? You're going to beat me down, and instead, I'm going to bless you. Don't curse them. Pray that. Now, this is even. Bless them? I, I barely have enough time to bless my family, my children, the people I work with, and all of you. If I add to that the businesses that I go into, the places I go into, and all those things I want to bless, now I got to bless the people that hate on me? That's what it says. It doesn't end there. Of course it wouldn't. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. When you empty your cup, you must fill it up. When evil in your life is gone, you must fill it up with good, the Bible says in verse 17. Romans 12, it continues. Now verse 20. If your enemies are hungry, what? Feed them. If your enemies are thirsty, what? Give them something to drink. Now, on top of everything I'm doing, I need to figure out what my enemy needs and wants, and then I got to do it? This is what the Bible says. So many reasons. I don't have enough time to tell you why this is, but it's simple. When you have emptied yourself of sin and this world, you need to fill yourself up with God. Empty cup, fill it up. And by doing that, you break the cycle of hate. You break the cycle of anger. You break the cycle of jealousy. You break the cycle of addiction. You break the cycle of pain. Are you following me, church? And by the way, just in case anybody doesn't want to take the word of God at face value, in case you want to try your own way, and believe me, we've all been there, where we literally do the opposite of what's on the board, all that will do is bring you pain, you suffering, It'll bring you the opposite of what you wanted and actually what your enemy intended for you to get mad, to get angry, and to revenge. Are you following me, church? It ends in 21. This is very particular. Don't let evil conquer you. I need this pause here for a second. Do you realize that there is evil in the world and that evil can conquer you? You need to be aware that you need something in you stronger than that evil. You need something in you stronger than the world out there. You need something in you where no weapon formed against you can prevail. What is that that needs to get in you, church? That is God incarnate. But conquer the evil by doing good. You know, there's going to be this series that I'm preaching about love and worth and works. And in that series, you're going to hear this about works. The Bible says it's the 500 year of the Reformation. And it's not 
by works, lest any man should boast, but by our faith that we come to salvation. But that's not to undermine the works, because it says right here, the works help cast out evil. You see, church, God will allow us to be saved and walk into heaven by our faith, but it is our works that make this world a better place. Do you see it, church? Conquer evil in this world and be very, very careful. As you're doing it and as you're looking at your life, you need to effectively do the opposite of that which you see around you. That is what this is talking about. When you see an empty cup, fill it up. Now, I need to give you this cautionary tale. As I was preaching this message in my mind and as I was putting together, the Lord asked me to add this one passage. And this passage is, well, it's scary. And it's on the eve of, you know, Halloween and all of that. And, and so, so, you know, I, I, felt, I felt really compelled to read it. But instead of just reading it as is, I want to show you a picture first. Those are measuring cups. The one on the left is empty. You see, when you come to Christ, no matter what's in your past, what's in your history, no matter what's in your life, no matter what's in your body, when you come to Christ and you ask him to clean you out, he does. And you become like an empty vessel, the Bible says. New wine for new wineskins. You look like the empty measuring cup. The one over there, now that's interesting. The one on the right, in that one on the right, is oil. Now, just not any oil. That's dirty oil. Oil can be good, but you start mixing oil with other things, contaminants and dirt and grudge and sludge, you get dirty oil. What would happen if you take your empty cup and you fill it up with sludge and oil? Would you drink it? Why would you ever ask God to? Let's read it. It's Matthew Chapter 12, verse 43. I'm going to read it real quick for you, and I just want to tell you a, a thing or two here as, as I'm putting this sermon together. This is about God cleaning you out from being dirty. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns to its former home, and it's empty, and it's swept, and it's now clean and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they all enter the person, and they all live there. So that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this generation. Now, again, I just read it. You see, God expects us to replace and refill. It is a spiritual law. It is a spiritual paradigm. Replace and refill. Yesterday, we're in Harvest Fest, and the kids are having so much fun. Now, Missy's not here. She has her son named Dylan. And Dylan was one of the ones who was just playing all the time, playing all the time on our maze slash jungle gym thing that was over here, bounce house. It was, it was a huge bounce house for the big kids. It was great. And I got a great compliment. You know, we heard from, from um, parents that, you know, our Harvest Fest had something for everybody. Little kids, big kids, parents, everybody. And so we want to continue to do that, and I need your help to do that. And my, my hat's off to everybody who put it off, especially to Jesse, for all the great ideas and, and work you put in that. Thank you so much, Jesse. Um, yeah, amen. Amen. But I tell you, church, I tell you, Dylan, he was running, he was running. 
and Pastor Chris was trying to have fun with everybody. So he was timing everybody and how fast they'd get through it. And it was coming obvious to Dylan, he was getting slower and slower and slower to the point where he wasn't winning anymore. And, um, you know, I said to him, take a break. It's time to refill, to recharge. You all know what I'm talking about. But what do you refill and recharge with? With what? Because we want to fill up with so many things. We want to fill our lives with so many things. We have so much in our life that's pouring into us. Sometimes there's no more room for God to pour in. And so we ask him to clean us out. But church, what it's saying here in the scripture is we need to be careful. When we clean ourselves out, when we come to church and we say, I want to be holy. And Lord God, bless me. And Lord God, pour into me and do all these things. And then we walk out those doors and forget about him. And we try to go through our week and just make it till Sunday. Satan is coming after you. You've just created a hospitable home. you just created a great place for all of his buddies to hang out. We must fill ourselves up, church. He is constantly allowing us to empty ourselves out so that he can pour us back up, church. With your empty cup, will you fill it up with him? Will you, church? I want to read this verse to you. This is where it gets good. Many of you know Psalms 23. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not. You know, we hear this at funerals often. It's a beautiful passage to preach about, but I want to highlight one specific part. You see, God has given you all spiritual cups. He's given you an inner well inside that's deep down, and he wants to fill you up, church. He wants to do it in a way that you are overflowing. How do I know that? It says it right in the Bible. Let's read it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my own enemies. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup over. My cup over. My cup overflows, the Bible says. Do you understand that he wants to overflow your cup? He wants to fill your cup up with so much that there's not room for anything in this world to get in there. He wants to fill you up with joy and hope and peace and patience. He wants to fill you up with all the things you've ever wanted and you've never had. But church, notice, he'll do it even. And sometimes most targetedly in the presence of your I could preach an entire sermon, a message about temptation. The Bible talks in the concept of temptation that the Lord will never take you past the line of temptation that you can't go, that he will give you a way out for temptation, yeah. And many of us wonder, why would he even do that? Why would he even take us to the line? Why would he do that? Because church, in the midst of your temptation, sometimes when we're most vulnerable, we're the most empty. We're the most void. It's what makes the temptation so alluring. It's this opportunity to fill us up. It's this opportunity to feel better, feel different, look a different way, sound a different way, be a different person, an opportunity for something new. But the Bible says you pour new wine into old wineskins. All you do is destroy both. But yet in that empty state, if you seek God, if you allow him to fill you up, he will do so. He desperately wants to. Like the woman at the well, he just wants to pour into you so much that whatever you were thinking he was going to fill, you would just leave it behind. And he would go fill your whole life up that you would need to run and tell everyone about it. 
God wants to fill you up, especially during the difficult times. The Bible says, in the presence of your enemies. Empty cup. Fill it up. Don't fill it up with that bad coffee. Mm -mm. You know the faces you get. Imagine the faces God gets when you bring him some of that bad coffee. Well, the Bible actually says exactly what he does. If you are neither hot nor cold, he will literally spew you, that means spit, out of his mouth. You bring him bad coffee, he's spitting you out. I tried to find some YouTube videos. None of them were appropriate for church. But there's a lot of examples of this on YouTube. I have two more thoughts as I'm closing here just to put this whole message in order. Church, we need to be running to the well and allowing him to fill us up. We need to be making time for us in our daily life to run to the well and allow the Holy Spirit to fill us up, to allow Jesus Christ to fill us up, to allow the Holy Father to bring his presence in our life. You see, if we start with this empty cup, it looks like this. In this empty cup, you do yourself no good. You need it to be filled up. Why do you need to fill this cup up? Because you need to pour out of it. An empty cup you can't pour from. And therefore, he wants to fill up your empty cup so you may pour into your spirit. You may pour into the spirit of those around you. You may pour into your neighborhood. You may pour into your community. You may pour into your circle of friends. You may pour into your workplace. Church, he wants to fill you up today. Do you know the word that was given this morning was very important. you listen to it, if you heard it, you're going to see the Holy Spirit working together for good as I show you this next verse, the last verse, the verse he laid onto my heart very late last night. Didn't know how it fit in, didn't know what to say, but I knew it came last. This morning, I know how. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. May he fill you with peace as you trust in him many of us trust in many things we trust in what we see we trust in what we know we trust in what we feel we trust in what happened yesterday but do you trust in him this morning do you trust that mountain that's before you that gap that's before you or do you trust in him this morning because he wants to fill you with joy and peace. But the verse doesn't end there, church. It says, so that you may overflow with hope. He wants you to overflow. He wants you to walk out them doors and be hopeful. He wants you to know he's got a plan and a purpose for you, for that to prosper, that Satan is trying to destroy you. He's putting plans to hurt you. He's trying to tempt you and snare you and devour you. But God, he wants you to have a plan of hope and he's going to do it by filling you with the power of the Holy Spirit, church. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. 
God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.